So we start off the new year, but also we ended the year with some very sad news. This past Friday was reported by many people. TNA legend commentator Don West passed away. And it's shocking to really hear that. Uh, but hearing his battle with lymphoma and the fact that he had to go through that not once but twice really is something that just is shocking. And Don West is literally one of the best commentators I've heard in wrestling. Even if it was something bad happening in the ring, he always found a way to make it interesting or exciting. And to hear so many people talk so fondly of him and hearing stories about him, how he started off being a person who used to sell baseball cards and he would do so much. He would give his all every single time. And to listen to him in TNA and listening back to a lot of his play-by-plays that he had with Mike Tanay is one of the things that I really appreciate him most for because he always found a way to make... He was one of the most passionate commentators that I could possibly ever experience and he is going to be severely missed but I also know that he is no longer in pain he's no longer suffering but it's just it sucks to lose somebody who is that passionate for the world of wrestling Thoughts and prayers go out to the West family and to all of Don's friends who are still coping with this right now. And here at the Brace for Impact show, this show is dedicated to the memory of Don West. And I wish I could say that this show was really good. But I will bring even, if I can even bring like a quarter of passion that Don West had for wrestling to this, then I feel like he'd be happy with that. So let's talk about this next show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. To brace for impacts. I am Nate the F and Great, the impact player of WrestleLatic Radio. And Against All Odds 2007 is one of those shows where top to bottom it can be described only as a roller coaster mess. And I try to mean that with as much sincerity as I can, but there's some 
things where it was just not on the right track. There was matches that were just downright horrible. And this is the first show that I have done in a while, even since started working back for Slack Radio, where I looked at it from top to bottom, and there's not an A-quality match on this show. The highest is a B. So that should tell you that this show is definitely historic, but not for the right reasons. So, turn. Jeez, I always keep saying turning point bets. Against all odds, 2007. Had a pay per view buy rate of 25,000. Took place on February 11th, 2007. The opener was interesting because you had. It basically talking about how Christian Cage is the instant classic. He's doing this kind of a little bit of like black and whites and also color kind of deal where he's. Talk about being the greatest champion that TNA has had. He talks about being able... He talked about being Kurt Angle in the main event. And that's kind of really it. I will say this, that the instant classic gimmick is probably my favorite gimmick of Christian Cage. Because this is where he felt like he was a star. And the fact that he has been bragging on the fact that he's never been pinned. He's never been made to submit. Basically unbeaten. And TNA made him that big star. And I was surpri- I was very surprised when he not mentioned the fact that he had not been beaten for so long. He at least has been going on undefeated for a little over a year now. Because, yeah, Final Resolutions was where he was making his um, pay-per-view debut. Then he had a match with Lai Brown last year. And then that oh no 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 he won the uh, yeah it's it, schematics schematics whatever. Um, basically, this is where he won the world title. Now he's being challenged as a champion by Kurt Angle. So we'll get into that in the main event. But we kick off the show with a little Italy street fight. It's Team 3D versus LAX. Non-title matchup because of the fact that during the build-up to the show, LAX attacked some family members of Team 3D. And it was kind of like this mom-and-pop shop, pizzeria kind of deal. So the best way that Team 3D wanted to take revenge is in a little Italy street fight. And it is one of those things where... They don't care about the tag team titles right now. They just want revenge. And to be honest, I feel like that's going to be a pretty big pattern going forward with this. Because I've already seen the results for next month's show, Destination X. And they're having another kind of hardcore-esque matchup. But let's talk about this matchup right here. Um, They had little tables in the ring with the kind of checkerboard, tablecloths, and then they have these strippers, sorry, entertainers in these kind of square, triangle-like cages, I guess. Uh, Conan distracts Team 3D as they are out in the ring. LAX attacks them from behind. 
we get a homicide tope hilo on Ray, which my God, he does that so well. Uh, Devon cracks uh, Hernandez with a chair as Hernandez tries to do a tope from the top rope. That was just amazing. Ray does a spagingo on homicide into the post. And then we see a fallaway slam by Ray to homicide on the ramp. Devon hits a suplex to Hernandez on the ramp. Then there comes a point where Ray just sets a chair, sits down in it, and here come the entertainers to dance on Ray's lap. Homicide breaks it away by doing some chair shots. We get an assisted hot shot into a face buster by Homicide and Hernandez. I thought that was a really cool spot. Homicide hits Devon with a chit with a trash can. And in that trash, there's a pizza cutter that he takes to Devon to cut him open. My gosh, that, that looked absolutely brutal. Uh, we get the first debuting of, Bro of Brother Ray in the cheese grater. He uses that on Homicide, but that does not bust open uh, Homicide, at least not from what I saw. As the match is going on, there are some LAX members that are on the outside. They go into the ring, they attack, but they get beaten off by... T3D. Homicide hits a snapmare on Brother Ray, to which I'm like, wow, that's really impressive. Homicide gets a scoop slam, and he gets a what's for his troubles. Devon, instead of doing a, a second what's up to Hernandez, he dives onto the LAX members. Hernandez. Hits a spine buster on Ray through a table that was set up in the ring. Homicide hits an elbow drop. Devon hits a saving grace onto Homicide. It looks like they're going to go for a superplex quarter by Devon and Homicide. But Hernandez and LAX members are able to get Devon. Devon gets hit with the board toss. One, two, three. LAX picks up the victory here. I'm kind of debating on this one. Uh, right now, I'm going to give it a B just because of the fact that I did like the intensity that was brought into this matchup. And uh, there were some very unique spots in this entire deal. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to make it a C because it was not the strongest opener that I've seen for this. But at the same time, it's not the worst. And yeah, it's kind of interesting because... I actually got the chance to watch some of the, if not all the you know, impacts before the show actually took place. Just seeing the evolution from uh, LAX and Team 3D where they had their match at Final Resolution. Then they had a rematch on Impact and then they had this matchup right here. So some of these, so the matches are getting better. So that's really good to see. Um, but yeah, like I said, they have a rematch coming up at Destination X. I think they even have one more match on Impact that they do. Because I remember that match. It was like a belting pot match. Uh, but I'll talk about more of that next month, if need be. We have Austin Starr backstage talking about how he's ready to showcase his talents. And he calls Senshi a warrior parody. And while this is going on, Bob Backlund, he's just kind of strutting back and forth. And then finally, Austin Starr notices Bob Backlund and he says, dude... Get out of here before I knock your lights out, basically. 
Bob Backlund, he talks a lot of gibberish and basically talk about how he can defend himself. No problem. So that's good that Backlund can fight. But this goes into the next matchup, which is Austin Star versus Sen Shi. The build-up to this has really been about how Austin Star was pissed off at the fact that he did not win the Paparazzi Championship Series Finals. And he basically almost blames Loki for it. And in the end, oh, she's Loki Senshi. And these guys had been brought out ever since. And then finally, they're being told, okay, you're going to have a pay-per-view matchup. So we get a strike exchange from these guys. Senshi does a hip toss, scoop slam, and then an elbow. It's a, geez, a beautiful drop kick. Not quite an AJ Styles drop kick, but still a good one nonetheless. Star does a hot shot and then a suicide dive to the outside. Does an elbow drop and a back rake. He does a, a unique kind of choke into the ropes where he just kind of... Uh, Using his legs, using his arm. He does like a leg lock with the ropes, which I thought was kind of interesting. He does a scoop slam, goes for his uh, pendulum elbow drop, but Senshi moves out of the way. Senshi hits a freaking gut wrench power bomb. That just surprised the hell out of me. Uh, fights back with kicks, then he hits a disaster kick. Star attempts a suplex, but Senshi does a front roll kick into the corner. Star looks for a crossface chicken wing multiple times, but Senshi's fighting it out. Hits a shotgun dropkick. And then we get some kind of ping variations until Senshi does a kind of stylish uh, Bob Backlund bridge for the win here. After the match, Star is just show, throwing chairs into the ring in frustration. Uh, demands that the match be restarted. Bob Backlund comes out and he just locks the chicken wing on Austin Star. And that's about it. I give this one a C. While the matchup had some moments of promise, this match itself was nothing too exciting. I feel like these are two guys who can definitely go, but with what they were kind of given, it just was not, nothing was really working that well. We go from that to a backstage deal with Tomko and Scott Steiner. Now, why are people confused that Scott Steiner is here. Scott Steiner can show up wherever he wants. Well, Scott Steiner was revealed to be Christian's consultant for the match against Kurt Angle, and I'll go into the kind of the history about that right now. So, after Final Resolution, Christian Cage came out, talked about Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle came out, talked about how he's going to beat him for the title, spits in his face, and then Christian Cage says, well, I have a consultant who's going to help me beat you, basically, at against all odds. Krangle's curious of who it is, and Christian says, well, I'll give you a hint tonight. So they have a brawl in the main event, and basically Tomojo comes out, and he helps fend off uh, Christian Tomko to not hurt up Kurt, Kurt Angle. And after that, Christian goes... Well, if you want a hint, look no further than right in front of you. So it's implied that it's Samoa Joe. For weeks, Samoa Joe is saying, I'm not the consultant, but I will be the unofficial ringside enforcer for your world title matchup. Christian's saying, Christian had a great line where he just said, 
Samoa Joe is not my consultant, although I have been known to be a liar. I I really liked the that kind of mind game deal. He um, would do a deal where he has Samoa Joe's towel on his neck and he would just give him the thumbs up. It also ends with Christian Cage hitting Kurt Angle in the face of the chair. It looks like Samoa Joe's going to shake the hand of Christian, but Samoa Joe gives him a double bird, beats down Cage, then the final week before final uh, for against all odds, we see Scott Steiner make his appearance. He is revealed as the consultant for Christian Cage. Now, what he means by having history with, I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm sure that's going to be brought up in more in, in uh, more uh, TNA tapings. But it's kind of interesting to see, you know, Scott Steiner and Kurt Angle. Did they maybe have like a match before the Olympics? Was it just one of those things where it's like a spark chance? Uh, who knows? We'll talk more about that a little bit later. But getting back to this promo, just so Tomko and Scott Steiner, they do not like each other. Tomko is just thinking like, I don't need to babysit this guy. I really do not. It's really stupid. And Scott Steiner basically is telling him, you know, sh- you know, shine my shoes. Do this crap. Oh, no. Clean my glasses. That. <laughs> the, oh, my gosh. He said, clean my glasses. He chucks the glasses at Tomko. That was funny. Uh, Cage tells Steiner uh, that Kurt Angle took his spot. And Scott Steiner is just not a fan uh, of Christian Cage. So, he, he hates Kurt Angle, but he's not a fan of Christian Cage. Mike Tanay and Don West, they do a rundown of the card, which includes the world title matchup, the X Division title matchup, and the prison yard match between Abyss and Sting. My God, I'm looking forward to talking about that. Not really. Um, But this will lead into the next matchup, which, oh no. And I say, oh no, with every single amount of dread, because... It's the tuxedo match with Christy Hemi taking on Fat Oily Guy. Why is this happening? Well, Christy, after being disrespected by Kip James at Final Resolution and on Impact multiple times, including Kip James throwing food at her. There's even a backstage deal where one of the interviewers is talking to Christy and Kip James just as a deal where he basically said, says who's gonna dance for for me i got money and says they're not worth like five bucks to which i'm like oh geez this is misogynistic bastard what the fuck um christy goes to jim Cornette, basically state stating that she wants an apology from kip or that he be fired which in all honesty he definitely deserves one or the other he wants he deserves to give an apology or be fired because of this whole deal. Um, but basically, Jim Cornette says, you want to prove yourself, Christy. You're going to get that chance to do it at against all odds. And instead of having it be a women's matchup, it's a freaking entertainment match with Christy versus a fat, oily guy. Guy has his top ripped off. Christy has her bottoms ripped off. Guy has the bottoms ripped off. Match is over. Uh Christy gets on the microphone. She claims that the plan backfired. Almost like a stick it to the man kind of deal. Kip James comes out and he mocks Christy. 
he says to turn on the music and it seems like he's going to show off his ass, but then rips off Christy's shirt to reveal a bra. Gasp. And that's kind of the end of the segment. I, this was a fail. This was an F rated deal. This was such a waste of time. The only redeeming quality of this was Mike today and Don West's commentary, especially Mike today. He literally is just like, please get this guy out of here. Please just stop this. Just stop this. It's almost like he's begging Vince Russo to just stop the stupidity right here. Um, Jeez Louise, this was just so stupid. And this proved absolutely nothing. All right. Next up, we have Paparazzi Productions with a one of three deals here. You heard me right. One of three. So, basically, Alex Shelley is talking about this big premiere, about what happened between Miss Brooks and Eric Young. He is recording Tracy Brooks talking to Eric Young on the phone. And she also has the contract where Eric Young just needs to sign it. And he'll be a part of Rude Incorporated. To which I'm kind of like, okay, that's interesting. Um... And basically, it cuts off after that, stating that, you know, Eric Young's on the way, and he's about to enter the door. And that's it for part one. We'll get into the other parts sooner than you think. So, next up, we have a base brawl, in which we have Lance Hoyt with Dale Torborg. And in Lance Hoyt's commuter, in Lance Hoyt's corner is David Eckenstein. And Dale Torborg's corner, we have AJ Brzezinski. And the thing about this is that it's a base brawl. This literally felt like a regular matchup, but it was so much worse. We have Hoyt hitting a clothesline, a drop kick, a flapjack, get clothesline over the top rope. Dale hits a low blow and a suplex onto the ramp. Corner splash and suplex. Corner. Hoyt hits a corner splash and then a miss. Hoyt misses a spring up crossbody. And I could not describe it any more than that. So he jumps almost like the B, like Christopher Daniels BME. But he went from like the second to the third and then tried to do a crossbody. Hits a big boot. AJ uses a chair on Hoyt for the win? Question mark. But... Uh, Eckstein says that AJ cheated, so they restart the matchup. Eckstein uses the chair, and then Hoyt hits an F5 style maneuver. Uh, F5 slam, from what I have here, for the win. Lance Hoyt is the true winner here. Weird finish at the end, and that's why the main reason why it's getting it F is because that stupid finish made absolutely no sense. Um... Not to mention the fact that this was not a good match. This was just absolutely horrible. This was like, this was like cat piss. It was bad. Ugh. So we go backstage. Paparazzi Productions Part Two. He talks a bit about how this is going to be great, and then somebody makes a comment, and Shelly mentions spoilers. It's like basically don't give it away. Uh, Eric Young. 
he comes into the hotel room and he gives Tracy chocolates and flowers. Problem is that chocolates, half of them are already eaten. Flowers, they are fake flowers, which Eric Young uses the line that, you know, fake flowers will last forever. To which I'm like, yes, yes, they will last forever. I understand that people like the nice aroma and smell from fresh flowers, but fake flowers actually last a lot longer and guarantees that you can look at it and you will always smile because somebody special gave it to you. Tracy shows the contract to Eric Young, but Eric Young says that his friend says that it's not a good idea to sign on here. And keep that in mind going forward because that friend is going to be a crucial role in the next few months. Up next, we have the Motor City Chain Match in which Rhino takes on AJ Styles. Now, how this really works about is that AJ Styles and Rhino are cuffed together by this 15 long foot chain and there are two poles on each side. One of them contains a nightstick and the other one contains a key. AJ wants to get the key so that he can have that sense of freedom again. And Rhino wants the nightstick because he wants to punish AJ Styles the only way he believes he knows how to. Uh, in this matchup, you can only win by pinfall or submission and that disqualifications are off, countouts, forget about them. Please. I was kind of looking for it because last few times AJ Styles and Rhino have fought out against each other. It's been some pretty good matches. Uh, we get a mini tug of war at the start, a bit of a chase scene and fight at the at ringside. AJ Styles does a baseball slide onto Rhino, and then he pulls him into the apron with the chain, which looked absolutely brutal. Tug of war with the post in the, in the center, but Rhino is able to pull AJ in. To the post. AJ flipped with the chain. Oh, that's right, because he got chain put between his crotch. He gets flipped with the chain, eats a leg drop, and then a belly to belly. Rhino goes for the gore, but he eats a stiff drop kick. AJ goes for the key, but Rhino stops him. A phenomenal forearm. AJ Styles jumps again, but Rhino hits him with an inverted atomic drop. Corner shoulder thrust and then a spine buster. Rhino's able to get the nightstick just before he's able to use it. AJ uses the chain to crotch Rhino. He uses the nightstick. He gets the key. He uncuffs himself. Then he hits a frog splash. He finds a way to shorten the chain's length to Rhino to where he kind of ropes it around or chains it around the ropes of the ring. And excuse me, and that kind of limits Rhino's mobility throughout the deal. We see Rhino get hit with a pele kick, and then he hits the gore onto AJ Styles. Rhino's trying to go for the key. It's a little far away. Earl Hebner just nonchalantly kicks the key towards Rhino, who is able to... Oh my gosh, I forgot about this. So as Earl Hebner is kicking the key, he does kind of the Orange Cassidy deal where he has his hands in his pants. Just, just thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Rhino cuffs himself. 
hits a spine buster, sets the table up in the corner, belly to belly. Looks like he's going to go for a gore, but AJ, AJ dodges it. Rhino gores himself into the table by accident. AJ Styles covers him, and that's it. Match is over. I gave this one a B, mainly because of the fact that I think this is one of those few chain matches that I kind of actually liked because they not only utilized the chain throughout the majority of the uh, matchup, but I think some of the innovative spots that they had during this deal, like utilizing the chain to help further hurt your opponent, the shortening of the chain deal, that's honestly really good. And, uh, yeah, no, it was a really good matchup. And Rhino and AJ did it again. Made it very happy. Uh, go backstage to Paparazzi Productions. And the final part of this whole trilogy of why the hell are we wasting this much time on it. So Eric Young basically is taunted and teased by... Miss Brooks, she reveals her lingerie. Eric Young signs the contract, and it looks like they're going to get a little frisky. But what ends up happening is that Tracy tells Eric Young to close his eyes, count to 30. Tracy leaves the room with the contract, and Alex Shelley kind of falls suit. Tracy presents the contract to Rude who looks at it and instead of saying good job, he says, ha, now I'm going to be the popular one. So, yeah, that's it for that. We have Kevin Nash basically bitching about how this literally had nothing. Uh, Jay Lethal was kind of in the same boat, as well as Sanjay Dunt. After which, Bob Backlund, he comes out, he's yelling, he's freaking out at everybody, and everybody just leaves which is probably the smartest decision that you can ever make regarding, regarding Bob Backlund. Up next, we have the X Division Championship matchup. It's Jerry Lynn challenging Chris Sabin. Chris Sabin was beaten by Jerry Lynn in a tag team match. Now, that sets him up for a title shot. And all throughout the weeks, we see Chris Sabin. He's going around with a walker. He has this kind of rainbow uh Robon acting like Jerry Lynn is the oldest man in all of wrestling. And he literally is just making these comments of being like, Oh, I remember that we didn't have stickers or all these crazy things that these kids come around here. Or if, you know, somebody's on and she's like, what, what, what? Uh, that kind of buffoonery. I kind of like this side of Chris Saban because it just showed that he could be very entertaining. So much so that during a special showcase matchup, he distracts Jerry Lynn enough to reveal the fact that he was wearing Depends. All I thought to myself is, are you kidding me? This is so stupid. <laughs> but at the same time, this is kind of funny. Uh... Jerry Lynn's last title run as Activision champion was in 2002. It's good to see it five years later. Try to recreate that magic. It all depends on Saban. Obviously, that was a joke because Saban had depends on. And two decades of age differences. So with that being said, you have a younger, more in tune athlete like um, Root. And then you have 
somebody who's older who's been around the block, but they just don't have that right same kind of focus. That's kind of where I'm getting at with these two deals. With Jerry Lynn, it was all about respect, and for Saban, just kept disrespecting him. We have Saban goading in Lynn. We get some nice back and forth. Saban using speed, but Lynn using his knowledge until he gets crouched in the ropes. Drop kick to the back. We get some dirty tactics by Chris Saban. Uh, Lynn does a drop kick and a spagingo back by drop. Hits a Frankensteiner. Saban is able to come back with a springboard leg with springboard stomp. Hits a spiral bomb. Uh, we see Jerry Lynn hitting a total knockout. Lynn goes for a sunset flip, but Saban's able to counter. He grabs the ropes. And that's it for the matchup. Chris Saban retains. I gave this one a C. This was nothing really too spectacular, too crazy. Just two guys going out there and having the time of their lives. So we go to the segment with Rude and Brooks. They come out. Eric Young eventually comes out as well. Basically, Brooks is is saying that, hey, I own you with this contract. And he he introduced EY, puts down the contract, and then basically owns EY. Poor Eric Young. Can't do anything about it, which is sad. Christian Cage is backstage stating that everything is fine, that he sells tickets, and that he's the gold medal of TNA. Jim Cornette reminds him of an NWA rule, which stated that if he gets disqualified during the title matchup, the championship will, in fact, definitely go to Kurt Angle. So, something to kind of keep in mind right there. Up next, we have ourselves a mixed tag intergender style matchup, in which James Storm and the Pride of Tennessee, Miss Jackie Moore, taking on Petey Williams and Gail Kim. Petey Williams hitting a dropkick, Bulldog, Hurricane Rana, on a storm start. Jackie squares up to Petey, but eats an atomic drop from Jackie. Gail Kim tosses Jackie. She does kicks. She does a spear. Uh, tosses Jackie Moore into James Storms' crotch. My God. Oh, man. That's that's how you get crowd popping during that match. Uh, Petey fights back, but gets double teamed up on. Jackie and Storm beat down on Petey. A double underhook slam. Storm uses the ropes to help him get an advantage with the choke. Pete does a snapmare, but eats a drop kick. And we see the Eye of the Storm making its return to TNA. We'll just see if there's a uh, spot where they may we do that too. Um, we have Jackie hitting an elbow drop. Pete Williams is fighting back a slingshot. Code breaker to James Storm, who Jackie gets hit with the Hurricane Rana, a Cyrus and Leg Sweep. Gail Kim hits a Hurricane Rana to Jackie and then a knee drop, missile drop kick. P. William is taken out by the Storm. Storm, uh, because 
Oh, man. Yeah, P. Williams takes out Storm, and then Gail Kim does a roll-up, but gets pushed into Storm, who hits an elbow to the face, and then Jackie Moore gets the victory. There we go. Storm knocks out Petey with the last call, and during this whole deal, we see Jackie and Storm threatening to go after Gail. Uh, Jackie attacks referee Harris, uh, returns despite the eye patch. Oh, Chris Harris returns, despite the eye patch, to kind of see where everything's going and to kind of see where everything is going to be headed in the future. Uh, as far as the matchup goes, I gave this one a B. It was a fun little matchup here. Nothing too long, nothing too crazy. It's one of those matches where it's like, okay, they're trying to build a women's division here the true way, not the way that whatever's Christie has going on during this timeline. But basically showcasing that, hey, we're two women. We can wrestle. Let's go out there and prove ourselves. And they do every single time. Storm. Nope, oh, we're done with that. Sting, not big on the whole mask deal, but that he is ready for a fight against Abyss and James Storm. James Mitchell. She's always James Storm. All right, so it's time for this piece of crap. It's a prison yard matchup between Sting and the Monster Abyss. Why are we having this matchup? Well, turns out that Sting really wants to turn the Monster Abyss human, which a lot of people are really against. They'd much rather see him be this dark guy who just absolutely goes crazy on everyone. So what they did was... Sting said that, hey, we know that you have this secret that you have looming above your head. It's only fair that you either tell us what it is or we're going to just find out for ourselves per, uh, through records. And Abyss is just saying, no, I'm not going to reveal anything. And that's where Sting went. He goes off, gets public records, finds out that he shot his dad in the back. And Sting is just wondering why this took place. Well, I mean, it's to Sting. Once you reveal one of Abyss's secrets, you get your ass handed to you, and then you have your face blown with a fireball. Uh, just to prove a point. So, yeah, this is an interesting matchup between these two. And I already knew that going into this that I was probably going to hate at least two matches that are coming in this year. This one is just more of a... It's an easygoing one. It's nothing too crazy. But the matchup here between uh, Sting and Abyss, that's a different story. So rules are that they'll start backstage and they will fight because the backstage area is kind of looking riddled with criminals and stuff like that, even though it's just people just trying to enjoy the fun that they're having. Uh, but basically it ends with somebody getting thrown into the little makeshift cage that they have there, and they get thrown up into heaven, which is weird. It, it, uh, no, no, no. They get thrown into the cage, and they are basically blocked off from the world for the time being. 
So Sting tosses a trash can while they're fighting backstage. Abyss does a press slam him to Sting into the trash bin. Sting does a splash onto Abyss through a table. Toss them into the ring into the post. You know, barbed wire bat. Abyss is bleeding. Cage lowered. But Abyss is not going in. Going in. Hits uh, Mitchell with the belt. Busts open. Lights used on Sting. Sting prevails with the door closure. Abyss with a barbed wire board. Utilize these items and in the end. Oh, no, no, Never mind. Where are we at here? Oh, um, Abyss hits a black hole slam. Removes Sting's mask. You'll see, like, major discolor for dis discoloration, which is weird, but okay. Um, removes the Sting mask and kind of walks away for the time being. Um, no, no, he didn't do that. So Sting stops the door enclosure and kicks the door in the face. We get two stinger splashes and a scorpion death drop. They kind of start off the year. Abyss gets thrown into the cage eventually. And, sorry, excuse me. Do a lock on Mitchell some barbed wire and sends Abyss in which allows him to pick up the victory Sting wins Sting then attacks James Mitchell after the match is over with a beatdown and yeah no that's it so give this one a see this was nothing too exciting just a rather mill bleh, bleh, kind of matchup Kurt Angle's backstage, he's ready to fight, and he's looking to seize the championship that he has eluded, eluded from him for so long. That's the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. So, build that up. We're going into the main event, which will be Kurt Angle challenging Christian Cage for the world title with Samoa Joe as the unofficial ringside enforcer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the main event. NWA World Heavyweight Championship match. Like I said, Kurt Angle versus Christian Cage with Samoa Joe as the unofficial ringside enforcer. I've already kind of overcome. I've kind of already talked about the uh, build to this matchup. So can Kurt overcome the mind games that Christian Cage has laid out? Samoa Joe is the unofficial enforcer, and Scott Steiner as the consultant. Let's just get right into it. Tomko immediately is sent to the back because referees are like, no, 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 we want this to be a fair fight between the two of you. It's not just going to happen that way. Also, I want to state that Christian has probably one of my favorite entrance attires, that being that whole silverish kind of black. It kind of almost looks like if cars to if cars was made into a jacket but like twenty thousand times cooler, it is literally what that jacket is. It's amazing. Kringle is mat wrestling uh cage until Samoa Joe comes out and he just grabs a chair, sitting at ringside, watching on. 
Kurt Angle hits an angle slam on the cage to the post. That is always a brutal spot. Angle catches Cage into a Spagingo back body drop. Angle charges into the post, but there's nobody there. This allows Christian to hit a neckbreaker on the outside, on the floor. And while Christian's kind of fixing himself up, and Kurt Angle's got a line there in pain, Smojo's just kind of yelling at him, be like, dude, dude, you got to get up. You got to win this. Because Smojo believes that if Kurt Angle wins... He can get a match, Kurt Angle, and not only did that, but he could also finally win the world title from Kurt Angle. That's kind of his hidden agenda there. Uh, Christian Cage, he hits a snapmare into a kick. Goes for a splash, but misses. Kurt Angle does a guillotine show. This I was not expecting at all. This was something I was like, oh, Kurt Angle bringing out the MMA moves. That's interesting. Kurt Angle literally... Takes up Christian, and he just has him on his shoulder, and then he just tosses him from one side of the ring to the other. This was insane. Hits a back suplex on Christian. He has him locked in the bridge, but then he picks him up for another one. Christian Cage counters a belly-to-belly and an angle slam attempt. Kurt Angle counters the kill switch into the ankle lock. Cage gets the referee and he breaks the hold while the referee is kind of down. Christian Cage hits a low blow and a kill switch. One, two, Kurt Angle kicks out. Cage hits a Scott Steiner elbow with the push-ups. He's fighting, but then Kurt Angle grabs Christian. He does a catapult to Christian into the corner. Cage is able to fight off Kurt Angle again. Christian goes up, but Angle says, nope, we're going for a ride. Belly, belly suplex from the top. That was great. Then to top that, Kurt Angle then goes into machine mode, and he grabs Christian Cage, waist lock, whoop, one suplex. Whoop, two German suplexes. Whoop, three, four, five, six... Lucky seven get hit in this matchup. And that is why Kurt Angle was the suplex machine long before Brock Lesnar came up with suplex city bitch. AJ Styles, he gets involved, but AJ Styles gets scared away by Samoa Joe. We hear an off-screen loud noise and we find out that it's a chair shot from Christian Cage while the referee was distracted. Christian goes up to the top. Boom, frog splash. One, two, Kurt Angle kicks out, goes for another kill switch, boom, hits that. One, two, Kurt Angle kicks out again. Kurt Angle locks in the ankle lock, but gets rolled into the referee. Christian Cage is just outside, kind of chilling, trying to relax a little bit. Samojo grabs him, throws him into the ring, and Kurt Angle hits another angle slam on the cage. Referee's still a bit down, but uh, finally he gets a two-count during the matchup. Referee gets taken down again. Tomko eats three German suplexes on two from Kurt Angle. Scott Steiner, he tries to get involved, but Kurt Angle just goes in. Just give him shot after shot after shot. Going crazy. 
Uh, Samojo does a dive onto Tomko and Steiner, and he's fighting them all off, including hitting Scott Steiner in the head with a chair, where the back of his head definitely looked like it got a little bloody, a little color. Uh, Christian Cage, he goes to mock Kurt Angle with the downstraps and goes for an ankle lock, but that gets countered into an ankle slam. Uh, Kurt Angle gets locked in the ankle lock again. The referee's down, though. And Christian Cage is tapping. He taps out, but the referee, like I said, he's not in position, so did not hear it, did not quite see it. So Cage, while he is locked in the ankle lock, grabs a pipe, smashes it on the head with Kurt Angle. We see... Christian Cage hit a third kill switch for the win. Christian Cage retains the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I gave this one a B. I really enjoyed this matchup, despite the wonky catering from... Jeez, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. So, just besides the, the wonky deal going on, it was still a fun matchup. I still found myself enjoying it. And it's kind of one of those things where eventually, if there's somebody big that comes back, it'll be a lot easier. But uh, getting back to this here, I give this one a B. Like I said, it's a fun matchup, despite the interference, despite all the crack, crack uh, craziness, I thought it was fun. Overall rating for the show, I gave it a C. Because of the fact that there were so many, ma- quite a few matches that were definitely above standard or just below Fleet standards. There were a couple matches here and there that were good, but it's not enough for me, in my opinion, to save it from getting this rating. So, that being said, I want to say Happy New Year to you guys. Thank you so much for listening in, and we're going to be having more fun as time goes on. Uh, check us out on social media at RealFNGame, as well as Attic underscore Wrestle, where you can get some great podcasts like myself kings of the rings and wrestlemania podcast we also have so many other people that have come and gone who you can listen to on here as well check out our merch store we're on all available podcasting formats that you can imagine and uh yeah that's all i got for right now thank you guys so much for listening in and i'll see you probably in warmer weather essentially anyway Thank you guys so much. Have a good one. Be safe out there. Bye-bye.